This is the next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith. Today, special guest, Michael Mishaw. I don't know how best to describe you. Real estate broker, world traveler, coach, teacher, administrator. Welcome to the next Simple Step. How would you describe what you do, Michael? Well, currently, my vocation, I guess I've been a real estate agent, but I haven't sold a house yet or found a buyer. Well, I have buyers, but we just haven't found a house for the buyer. So that's where I'm at. Okay. So like you're a really new agent and about to close your first home. This is an exciting moment. Hopefully we are. Hopefully we're within the window of closing it, but we may have an offer coming on that one. So that's, that'll be exciting. And once that offer comes, you know, just trying to navigate the other parts of my life. Well, husband, father, coach. Yeah, there's so many things going on. And I tell people, real estate is what I do. It's not who I am. And it allows me to do these other things. And so that's the why behind the why. Uh huh. Well, and so I'd love to start there as far as why did you make this pivot? You're brand new into real estate. What was the inspiration for that? It was freedom and flexibility. If I had to put it in short terms, I wanted more freedom to spend time with my family I wanted flexibility to be able to take my son to soccer practice. If coaching opportunities opened up for that with soccer, then great. And it has. But I also have a heart for families and for men and dads and husbands to have conversations with them coming off the mission field and back into the U.S. One of the things we saw was member care with missionaries and to be specific uh, and try to you know walk them through conversations and things that may, may not have or want to have otherwise, but I just want to care about people. And hopefully real estate is the vocation that allows me both financially to take care of my family, but also freedom and flexibility to pursue other kingdom driven ideas. Yeah. And I think the key word that you mentioned is freedom. Why do we work any job? Hopefully, you know, it's provide for our family and basic needs. But beyond that, you get a choice of where you're going to work, what you're going to do. And ultimately it is about freedom to do what you're called to do, to pursue your best self and help others along the way. And that's what you're doing, man. I love that and admire that. Now you mentioned being in the field, you served on the faculty of a school in Kenya for a number of years. Tell us about that experience. Seven years at Rift Valley Academy in Kajabi, Kenya. It's about an hour north of Nairobi in East Africa. It was a boarding school, international boarding school for missionary families primarily. That was the mission and vision of the school. And so my wife and I went over there to be teachers and we did all sorts of different things and roles. We were teachers. We were sport coaches. We jumped into dorm parenting for a little while. I was the athletic director, activities director. My wife taught PE. She mentored. I mentored. We served on several different teams and committees while we were there. But we were just, we were basically a support staff for missionaries on the field on the continent of Africa is where our organization primarily focuses. So we love the fact that we could be the support for those people that needed an education and a place for their kids to go to school and to live that part of their lives that they may not be able to otherwise. Man, eight years living on another continent with your family. What's that like? You mentioned 
you're really passionate about being a dad and helping other dads and being a husband, helping other husbands. How did you balance all that being in a foreign place, literally, and supporting all these other people while raising a family? Not well, sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love to be able to say, hey, I navigated it well. I had all the balls in the air. Thing was juggling just fine. But there are times where I did it very poorly checking emails at the wrong time when I should have been spending time with my family, being out and doing other things that may not be necessary, but it was more just something I would enjoy doing. But there were times when, you know, I kind of got a wake up call and I started looking at my kids and trying to figure out, you know what, I'm missing some of these things and I don't want to do that. And one of the reasons we even went to Kenya is we, my wife and I were asking ourselves a question, what would we regret not trying five years from now. And we could stay in the States and work the jobs we were doing and do good things here. No doubt. I think it would have been good things and things that would have had lifetime impact on people, but we would have regretted not trying to go to Kenya. So we raised our support and went. And so then I started looking at my family and I said, you know what, if I don't stop doing some of these things, I'm not going to look back on my life and say, I regret not checking email. No, nobody looks back and says, I regret not checking email. They regret, Hey, I miss this time with my kids. I miss this time with my family. And the important things, a lot of times they become the stuff we trim instead of the unnecessary things that could be put off till later. But we try to do the mental gymnastics to prioritize those. Okay. So I have a real practical question for you. You're getting into real estate. That's a profession known mm-hmm. for being always on, jumping on the deal. You've got to show a house like in 10 minutes and never being able to turn it off. And you want to be intentional about being there for your family. How are you anticipating you're going to juggle that in this always on profession? Intentionality. I feel like I've navigated that well. And I think if I look back at my life at RVA, the busyness of that life and allowing me to figure out and prioritize and even create a core value of I need to stop this to pursue time with my family to do this. I'm willing to give up the financial piece for the family piece. So earlier on, as you said, what was the desire to go? It was freedom and flexibility, right? Yeah. And family was was a core component of that. I believe if I do what I'm supposed to do as a father and as a husband and as a person in general, right? Not chase the lead, have compassion, Mm. not chase the lead, serve. I'm a believer. I believe that Jesus Christ is the center of what I should be doing. Those things will work out. The financial peace will be there when I need it to be there. I believe what the Bible says in that. So if I focus on what I'm supposed to be doing, the financial peace will come. I don't have to worry about that. If I'm doing what God has called me to do as a husband and as a father and as a leader of men and families, I have to trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do and provide for my family. And that's how I get around that. Well, that sounds good. So can I ask a follow-up question on that? Sure. You worked in Africa for eight years. Do you think that that also applies in places like in Kenya where the median income is much lower than it is here in the U.S., a a developing country. Does that philosophy hold true there? If they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, the money will come, the opportunities will come. Like, How do you reconcile that when the average income is substantially lower? You're right. It It is substantially lower. 
I was living in that culture. The way we received our funding is different than they would on a daily sure. life, right? We had supporters here supporting right. us there. But I've come to experience. We're working with a guy right now. He was a good friend of mine for a while. And we decided to start a goat farm with him. And I'm going to answer this question with a story. And I said, Joel, I want you to run the farm. I'm going to provide financial resources and some time. But my main responsibility is here at RBA. But you said you have a desire to do this. I want to support that desire for you. Joel is on staff at RBA also. RBA is the Rift Valley Academy that you... Rift Valley Academy. Yes, sir. I said, Joel, I want to do this with us. I said, any money we make, I want my part to go back into the farm. You spend your part however you want to. You can put it back into it or you can use it to support your family. And I said, but our ultimate goal is to be able to give back to the community. We want to be able to do that. So that's going to be a byproduct. Giving back to the community is a byproduct of starting this farm. In a sense, Joel has to go out and say, hey, do I want to take my time? And he's a, he's a Kenyan guy. I want to take my time and use my resources to do this thing. And so what we're seeing is, and I'm not prosperity gospel, but he is doing it and we're doing it well. I think our farm's being blessed. We just had two new goats. So we're now from, we started off and I think we've bought a total of maybe five. Now we're up to about 13. We've given away two. We're selling milk. But your question to go back to your question, hey, how do we rationalize that philosophy of based on the different income structures. I say, the Lord has said, and I believe this, if you do this correctly, he will provide. Aesthetically, what does that provision look like? A house, shelter, food, clothing. He doesn't necessarily promise wealth and uh, long life. He doesn't promise nobody's going to get sick. He promises he's going to take care of us. And that's what I believe, again, if I'm living in that, hopefully my theology doesn't change based on my income structure. You know, I read that one time, like sometimes our theology change based on the level of our pain tolerance to what life deals with us. Well, I'm hoping that doesn't happen to me. I'm trusting that it won't. I want to be grounded in what I believe. I want to be grounded in my core values. I know not everybody's that's going to listen to this is going to be a believer, but in our core values, if I believe that if we look to serve others and we look to do those things that ultimately that's going to be a, a success and we can lay our head in our pillow at night. Did I answer the question? Yes, I, I, d- I do think so. I think that's important with whatever your worldview is that you're just consistent, right? If it's truth, it needs to be true for somebody on the continent of Af- mm-hmm. Africa and somebody in the continent of the U.S. Now the circumstances are very different and I am a big fan of Kate Bowler has a great book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Believed. And because (laughs) from that standpoint, I think there is a common belief that if you do all the right things and you say the right prayers and you're a good person, that good things are going to happen and you're not going to get cancer in your 30s as a young mom, or you're not going to lose a job. All these bad things aren't going to happen to you, right? And that's just not how the world works. (laughs) And I think in America, we're very insulated from a lot of the problems that most of the world has. And we take for granted indoor plumbing 
and shelter. And then it's just kind of degrees of wealth that we're talking about. And so Mm -hmm. it's like in much of the majority world that it's basic survival. I need to have enough food to feed my family this week and protection from the extreme weather. It's not a matter of, will I get a nicer car this year? It's like, no, I need a job (laughs) that pays anything Mm -hmm. so I can feed my family basics, not like we can go on a big vacation, right? So it's so, (laughs) we've got to adjust our expectations of what to expect in a quote, Mm -hmm. good life. Now, I'm all about pursuing great things and doing great things. And I do believe this is an abundant world. I just think that no one can have it all at the same time. And we have to really decide what to prioritize. And back to your earlier point about, are you going to get the end of your life and really be proud of the fact that you answered every email, but you missed out on moments with your family? And I just think that that's a thing. Uh, There are some people that live with more modest means that have much more peace and contentment because they aren't necessarily chasing the treadmill of work and achievement and the latter. And I personally struggled with this, just being a achievement driven person. I love to achieve and succeed, but to what end, right? You know, how do you define success? And where I'm at now personally is it really is in freedom. As you said, I used to think, well, I didn't necessarily want to make a profit as much as I wanted to make a difference. Now I've realized they're not mutually exclusive. The more profits that I can pursue and make, the more difference I hopefully can have. And so that's really where I'm at now. It's like, I don't apologize for trying to be successful in business. I have a few different businesses and my goal is to be as profitable as I can so that then I can use that money, not only for my freedom, but use my freedom to be able to have an influence in the world. And I'll Mm -hmm. give you an example of that. And I'm so privileged to be able to do that. I know not everybody can, is afforded the opportunity. So I'm immensely privileged and I want to use my privilege well. I'm acknowledging that to help others that don't have as great of a privilege. And I was able as an entrepreneur to take two days off this past week to volunteer for our local food pantry and actually help them with a fundraiser because one of my companies is a fundraising company. So I do it professionally, but I also do it in my free time. And I was unpaid for this. And it was so fulfilling to be able to do that. If I was working a nine to five, if I was working for somebody else, I wouldn't necessarily have had that freedom of time to volunteer my time to do something meaningful. So all that to say, I'm a big fan of pursuing success for the benefit of others, pursuing success for being able to have influence and make a dent in the world. And some people are pursuing success for the sake of success and status, and you can't take that with you. So you got to check that too, because I think you can get caught in that where it then just becomes about acquiring more wealth or status. Mm -hmm. And I realize that we are just so immensely sheltered and privileged here in America I don't take that for granted. I want to do as much as I can to help others along the way. Paul, I think one thing you touched on, you didn't use this word, but stewarding your time Mm -hmm. and your resources well. I think what you have, and you know, you can go, this plays out over and over and over again. You've been given something. How do you steward it? Do you steward your finances well? Do you steward your time well? Do you steward your energy well? 
because you may be given all these resources, but if you don't store them well, right, there's no value in it. Right. Or they lose value and then eventually they disappear. Absolutely. And I think it's often quoted that money is the root of all evil, but that's not actually what the scripture says. For those that are unaware, what's it actually say? The love of money. That's it. The love of money is a tool and it's a useful tool in our world. Mm -hmm. And so I don't apologize for having money, but I am responsible for how I use it. But if that becomes my idol, if that becomes the ultimate thing, then that's a problem because then I'm stepping on people to acquire Mm -hmm. more wealth. And the whole point of acquiring money is so that you can help other people, in my opinion. Great. Well, we have love God and love others. And if you're stepping on people to achieve what you want to achieve, that takes off the love others part. And then I remember hearing this, it was God owns, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He keeps it in people's backyards and it's their responsibility to steward that cattle. And we saw this, you know, having to raise support to go overseas. We saw that over and over and over again. Some people had tons of cattle would give us a couple. Some people had a few cattle and gave us a couple. But we know that the Lord was going to provide, but he was going to have to use others to do it. And how are they going to steward their resources and slide some over in our backyard, even though our backyard was 7,800 miles away? Absolutely. Well, now we've quoted scripture, but I'll quote Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility, right? (laughs) And with privilege, with great wealth comes responsibility. What are you going to do with it? I think people struggle with that. But I also think they do what's modeled before them mm. and what they've seen modeled. So if they see somebody and they have a mentor or accountability or however you want to call it, and they look at them and they say, hey, this is somebody I look up to. How do they steward that responsibility? How do they steward that time? I have the privilege of working on a team with a really good leader. And I know people that he has surrounded himself with are really good leaders in the real estate industry. And they spend time with family. The other day I looked at I messaged him something, and then I realized I shouldn't have messaged him because he had told me that he was taking that day off to go with his family to go do this thing because their kids are on fall break. This other guy had a large piece of property, dedicated the property to be a park, but named it after his wife. Well, you've probably never met his wife because this guy's the developer, and his wife is in the support role, right? But I can guarantee you that he doesn't consider her a support role. He considers her an integral part of his business. And coaches are the same way, like sport coach. If they've been modeled, scream and yell at the referee, treat kids poorly, that's the kind of coach they're probably going to be unless they've learned and been taught a different thing. And I think that's what hopefully you have had good advisors, good mentors, an accountability group that says, hey, Paul, we noticed that you did this. Awesome. Or, hey, Paul, we noticed that you did this. You might want to reconsider how that takes place next time. And I know people that really care about me when they see me do something a little sideways or about to make a decision that may be a little sideways, they're going to say, Hey, Michael, let's take a break. Pause that. What do you think is going to be the repercussions if you do that thing? And then I can back off of it. Man, that's powerful. Two things. One, I have a friend that asked me to be on their personal board of directors. I'm like, Ooh, you have a board of directors? That's cool. Uh, I love that idea. <laughs> That's a Actually, great idea. You know, companies and nonprofits have board of directors to keep accountability. And I'm like, whoa, that's amazing right. for a person to have a board of directors. And it's uh-huh. not so that those people judge 
you. It really is. So you tell them what you're trying to accomplish. You tell them your values. And when they see you acting Mm -hmm. incongruently with that, they Mm -hmm. gently, because of your friends and family, they call you out and say, Hey, you said your core value is this, but you're your actions are actually doing the opposite. So you might want to course correct. And then you can come to truth with that. You can say, no, I changed my mind on my core values or you're right. I need to adjust what you just said as far as we all have models. And I don't think we realize that in a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis. We think we're being original. We think we're having original thoughts. (laughs) We're not. Everything is modeled as far as what success looks like, what we value. And so if you want to change your life, get different models. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I believe that. There's an incredible book called Wanting, The Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. Hmm. The author is Luke Burgess. And it really opened my eyes to that, where he basically calls this out. It's like mimetic desire. What does that mean? We're mimicking other people's behavior without even knowing Mm. it. And I think a really great, we're talking about money and wealth and priorities. A good rule of thumb is when you go to buy something, what is the purpose of that thing? Would you buy it if no one else could know about it or see it? Mm-hmm. Because what are you doing, trying to do to impress your neighbor who is most likely on average in a mountain of debt? Why are you trying to impress somebody that they're not actually that impressed anyway? And so it's yeah. keeping up with the Joneses and the Joneses are trying to keep up with you. And that's why everybody's in all of this debt and upside down. It's like, well, what actually are you acquiring that thing for? I think it takes a little self-reflection there. Right, right. And the other thing you said a second ago, theme of mine or something kind of like a mission statement, I want to help people live a life congruent with their values. Yes. And if we can identify those core values, then one of my goals is to help people do that. Yes. And it sounds like it's very similar to what you'd like. Yeah. And we didn't plan this ahead of time. We kind of threw some ideas out, but I love where this has gone because A lot is to be said for goals. I like goals, but I think before you set a single goal, you have to back up and establish your values. And I think maybe why you're not accomplishing some of your goals is because you haven't really reflected upon your core values of who you want to become, what person you want to be like, what model do you want to set for your kids or your family or your friends and then make the goals based on your values. And it sounds like we're just like playing with words here, but it's so foundational. It is. And what I've found is personally, and so you can say, well, how do you know this? Have you done statistics? Well, no, but I know because of my own life. When I live outside of my core values and I make decisions not based on those and filter through that filter, I'm uncomfortable. Things just don't seem to be right. It doesn't matter how great things are going. Something just seems off. But when I'm acting within those core values, it doesn't matter what happens. I don't make a sale. There's no income. The car breaks down. I don't want whatever you may look at. Those things seem to be quite insignificant during that time when I'm living within my core value set. Everything else changes, right? I think the sky is brighter. The sun's, you know, the the air is cooler. And, you know, (laughs) I don't know how how else to say it, but I think that's just based on my own life and experience. And even in talking to other people informally, those are the things that if you're not careful, you'll leave those behind. And then you just become basically a robot to the day, just day to day. And the mundane becomes more mundane 
And then you just get caught in a vicious cycle until you can circle back around. It is. Well, this goes down to identity. If you want to be a type of person, let's talk about be a healthy person, right? This is why the diet industry is billions of dollars. People say they you know, want to be healthy, so they take a pill or they do a crash diet, but their identity doesn't line up with it. They're trying to accomplish a goal, lose weight or get fit for a particular occasion, but they haven't actually identified with, I am a healthy person and that's a core value of mine. And so this is how I'm going to show up. And so that just changes your lifestyle. It's not a quick, get healthy, quick strategy or get rich quick. It's no, I'm just going to make daily choices in line with my values. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be, that's a great example. Yeah. If you want to be a generous person, you don't have to wait till you have $10 million, be generous with what you have. <laughs> Start yeah. there. Yeah. And yep. then it's just a matter exactly. of scale with everything we're talking about. And you start with where you're at. This podcast is called The Next Simple Step because I'm really passionate about taking immediate action on the thing you say you want to become or thing you want to do. We spend way yep. too much time talking around it and coming up with the perfect plan. And perfect plan is the enemy of progress. Just get started and you'll figure mm -hmm. it out along the way. And you're going to stumble and you'll learn from that. It's feedback. And then you'll try something different when that doesn't work. But whatever you want to do, just get started. Yes. What really took me and kind of guided my steps was, hey, when you're doing the thing, you can't be with us. When you're with us, you can't be doing the thing. And I just came to the realization, I want to be able to play a game with my son at night, or I want to be able to take my daughter to lunch. So I want to take those little baby steps. I like where your your head is with your podcast. It's, hey, let's take the next right step. Let's... One step at a time. Just one step at a time, right. I remember going out and running and thinking, you look down at your watch at a certain point after you've trained for a certain number of weeks or months, and you're not even trying to run the pace. You're just running the pace. Right. It becomes and automatic. It becomes automatic and it becomes the habit. It becomes, your, in a sense, your personal culture, just like your behaviors do and how you interact with people. What I found is, is the way I can interact with you on this is the same way I can react and I can talk to somebody in the line at the grocery store or waiting in a waiting room or just in general, when I'm sitting next to somebody at a restaurant and maybe they're by themselves and I'm sitting here and go, Hey, how are you doing? And just, it becomes, you know, I'm going to say a kindness habit. It's a skill that you develop on talking to people yeah. or a well, life skill, whatever kind of person you want to become. If you want to be a right. kind person, go out and offer kindness, even when you don't feel like it, because yeah, we all right. don't necessarily feel like it. Or one of right. my core values is being generous. And I don't always feel, in fact, most of the time I don't feel like being generous, but I have decided that's the kind of person I want to become. Mm -hmm. And leaning into that skill is a daily choice, but a default setting because I've already chosen the value. So when faced with a decision, just be generous. And right. I have a long ways to go. I don't feel like I'm as generous as I want to be, but I'm working toward it <laughs> and trying to make it a more conscious right. habit. Michael, I love this conversation. You've been a successful administrator, teacher, and most importantly, father and husband. And now you've got this career pivot 
to afford your family more of you and that you can have that freedom. I want you to come back on the podcast after you've had your first sale in a home and tell okay. us how it's going, <laughs> because I know that it's not a one and done. This is a daily calibration of your time because I suspect once you get your first sale, that's going to give you confidence and you're going to want to be a little bit more aggressive for the second one. At some points, you're going to have to dial yourself back and say, you know what? Again, <laughs> I, I did this mm -hmm. to be with my family, so I'm going to throttle this down a little bit so that I don't have to become the top agent yep. in our county. <laughs> I just need to provide for my family. And that's going to take a constant calibration. It's all about yep. calibration with your core values and having mm -hmm. the freedom to actually live out your core values. Correct. And that's where I want to be. I think even on one of my profiles, it's I want to help people live congruent to their core values. And hopefully I'll be able to do that both through real estate, both being a dad, because those are my most valuable assets. That's what I'm going to be. And, you know, as I develop friendships and relationships, hopefully steward those well, where I can, I want to be somebody where somebody says, Hey, I want you to be on my personal board of directors. That's awesome. I want to be that person for somebody. So that's a goal of mine. And, you know, now it is because I didn't know how to verbalize that, but that's a great, <laughs> no, that's, that's a great it. We're just it. here to learn from each other and nobody's got it all figured out. So we learn as we go <laughs> and we're all just one human being, not human doings. And there isn't a work version of Michael and a home version. Well, there may be different sides of your personality, but at the core level, at your soul level, there's one Michael, that's having a human experience. And if you can get all of those different versions of yourself to be congruent, that's a win. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to end the pod. Man, uh, hopefully that has helped you. Maybe you want to come up with your own personal board of directors or... I think I might. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll check in with you next time and see how it's going. So thanks for being yeah, here today. Right. And thank you for listening to the next Simple Step podcast. We'll talk to you next time.